Well, well, well. That was interesting. That was very interesting. 17-0-2. Fuck these hoes. We will talk about that in a bit. First, Clay is back. Yes, Clay Thompson. But before that, Dubs eating ass on a losing streak. Dallas, Memphis, oh no. But uh, before that, Dirk Nowitzki had his uh, jersey retired in Dallas on the road. So before Clay made his debut on the court. Have some sound here from the Warriors. Clay Thompson congratulating Dirk Nowitzki on a glorious career. Congrats, man. Uh, what an honor. I mean, you deserve it. The greatest Maverick in the history of the franchise. In my book, you're one of the greatest shooters of all time. Obviously, the greatest shooting big man of all time. And you and Steve and Mike Finley and Jay Kidd. It was some great, great basketball. Beautiful basketball to watch. So, we might be the Splash Bros, but you a Splash God for what you've done for the game. So, thank you, Dirk. Dirk, congratulations. Uh, this is well-deserved, obviously, Hall of Fame career. Uh, thankful to have the honor to play against you. I'll never forget you leaving me in my boots at 41 years old. You hit me with a pump fake, another pump fake, had me looking bad. Still haven't lived that down, man. I see that on Instagram every day. Much love, Dirk. Dirk, congratulations on your jersey retirement. Um, it's obviously a well-deserved acknowledgement and accomplishment for your entire career and doing it in one city, uh, representing Dallas, Germany, uh, your entire family, teammates, and everybody. So congratulations on the job well done. Uh, I hope you feel the love and you changed the game, man, from a big man shooting the way you did. It's legendary. Enjoy it. Dirk, congrats. Dirk. Congrats. <laughs> My favorite uh, Dirk moment, I must say, would have to be uh, Nowitzki's team whooping up LeBron James in the big fucking three. Right? Wasn't it Wasn't it LeBron who lost to them and everything? Not one, not two, not three. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dirk. How's my dirt taste? Uh, I believe that's one of the hardest shirts I've ever seen a champion get off the plane with. Besides uh, Draymond's derogatory uh, Cavalier shirt with the sweep shirt. Um, Dirk Nowitzki with the how does my dirt taste shirt. And Nike came out with this shirt. This was like a legit Nike shirt. Motherfucking 4XL, however big that motherfucker is. How does my Dirk taste? Now we can all uh, think what his Dirk actually means. And I believe it means his dick. And I believe 
Dirk Nowitzki's asking how his dick tastes. <laughs> and uh, it tastes great that year. Huh, LeBron? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, got some sound. Draymond Green, of course, getting technicals as usually. Uh, he got one during timeout. Uh, so here's some sound from Draymond talking about the tech and how other people don't get it. He does. Uh, where is Draymond? Draymond has a calf strain. Draymond, I believe, is 30 past 30, right? So when you get past 30, there's just some random shit that usually just happens. Like you get out of bed and you can get a calf strain or uh, or <laughs> a sprained knee. Here's some uh, sound from Draymond. Um, I believe he uh, did not make any of these road trips. So you probably won't see Draymond till uh, first home game, January 18th. Here's some sound from Draymond, though, on the road trip. Get technicals and not liking it. He out there in the second half? I'm not sure if he was out there in the second half, but I know he's asleep right now. Just straight knocked out. Tap. Last one, I just want, you know, you got a technical tonight. Um, I got a technical for a referee walking away from me and then coming back to talk to me and I walk away. That's why I got a technical. So... I think I got eight or nine texts this year. Five or six of them are super questionable. And as I said to the ref, it's unbelievable that you walk away from me in very disrespectful mid-sentence when we're having a normal conversation. And if I walked away from you, when I, when you were talking to me, you give me a text. He continued to walk away from me, then walked up to me and said, all right, what do you have to say? And I said, fuck it, it's cool. I don't even want to talk no more. It's all right. And walked away and got a text. So, you tell me where the tech is at. But, this ain't the same world we used to live in. And you can't treat people like that. And so, that's bullshit. Because if I walk away, I get a tech. If I walk to you, I get a tech. I have a normal conversation with you, I get a tech. I'm not going to stop talking. So I don't know if the tech is supposed to stop me from talking. I'm not going to stop talking. And I shouldn't have to stop talking if I come to you and have a respectable conversation with you. I'm a grown man with my own children. So I won't be treated as someone else's child that probably don't even have as many children as I have. It's garbage. So, and like I said, there's been quite a few of them like that this year. And, you know, I don't really make any noise about it because at this point in my career, I really don't care about getting attacked. And so it kind of is what it is. But it is a shame. And that's for certain. So. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So Draymond doesn't think the refs have as many children as he does? <laughs> or talk to them like he does to as his many children? I don't know. That point kind of confused me. But that shit is hilarious as fuck. <laughs> Draymond ain't never gonna stop talking. Like I said uh, earlier this season, NBA Warrior season, I was actually lucky enough to sit courtside, and uh, Draymond doesn't shut the fuck up. I was a uh, he. Uh, <laughs> he's even yelling at his own teammates. Uh, you can hear him yelling at uh, Jordan Poole, and they actually got into it. And I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "Damn, <laughs> is this what it's like every day down here for Draymond when you sit this close? Is is this what the referees have to listen to? I was like, no wonder why this motherfucker gets a technical like every other game. Oh, God. Uh, Draymond, though, man. 
If he's on your team, you love this guy. <laughs> if he's not on your team, you're like, who is this motherfucker? <laughs> he won't stop talking. I hope he doesn't stop talking because uh, I won't have sound bikes like that. More sound. Stephen Curry. I guess he's in a slump. I guess when this guy shoots like uh, lights out <laughs> and he has a couple of bad games, this guy's all of a sudden in a, a career slump and his careers might be over. And What's he going to do? What are the Warriors going to do? Oh, man. Here is uh, Steph Curry talking about his shooting woes now and before. Uh, last two, two games, shooting percentage is way down. What, what, would, what do you think's going on? The ball is not going in. It's body of work. Uh, well, of course, this year has been pretty solid. The last stretch has not been great. Uh, not even to my standards. Um, so you just got to stick with the program. I've never been reactive in terms of you know, uh, you know tough shooting nights or whatever the same process and just understand the big picture of what we're trying to do and what I'm trying to do and that it'll come around so it's hard to remind yourself of that in the middle of the, a game like tonight where uh, like they all felt good wasn't it? like last game I felt like all of them were just had no chance from the jump tonight was different mentality like every one of them felt good only one of them goes in and even inside the arc it was tough so I just gotta stick with the program and live out the, the line like don't lose confidence you were look like you're almost laughing at that one with like two minutes left i think steve said he's had four in and outs tonight yeah a lot of them uh, like i said it's just not one of those where you can try to overreact like Set the bar really high, and I want to keep doing that and never let my standards slip. So when it, it's a night like tonight or like it has been for you know, a while, I'll just stick with the work, and the work will show eventually. Bigger picture, you know, Steve was mentioning, like, defenses are more consistently overselling against you this year. How much of, you know, maybe your season percentages being – yeah, a little bit down or just the way defenses every night are doing what they're doing. I don't ever try to let that play into me because it's not under my control if that's gonna change. I gotta still like like last year, like be able to deal with it and still be efficient, still shoot the ball, still make plays, still have impact. And uh Yeah, that's that's the approach. It's never a situation where again Man, God bless Stephen Curry. I don't know how he sits there and answers all those fucking questions. He is human for all fucking purposes intended. This guy is going to shoot a thousand and then hit zero in the next, uh, not the next day. Eventually. I don't know. All that noise you heard in the background, that was the Dallas Mavericks having a jersey retirement ceremony for Dirk Nowitzki. They didn't have it before the game. They had it after. So that hoopla you hear in the background, that is actually Dirk being honored by uh, Mark Cuban. Um, and all the peeps inside the arena. Some sound here from Steve Kerr. They also talked to him, asked him some questions about Curry's slump. I thought I'd play that for people too, because 
Kerr has to listen to this shit too, people. Just ridiculous. Here's Kerr talking about Curry's supposed fucking slump. Steph's eight of forty-one shooting the last couple games. Uh, I guess in the in the micro, what are you seeing the last couple games that that's led to some of that? And then even in the macro, his shooting percentages are down this season. Yeah. Just what are you seeing? Well, I think uh, I think you know everyone is throwing. Uh, everything at them you know they're, they're best defenders uh, double teams um, they're trying to make it as difficult as possible and uh, I thought tonight he pressed a little bit um, you know he was trying trying hard to get out of it um, he had at least four shots that were in and out um, that and it was all the exact same in and out it was like a half inch short grazes the front you know the back of the front rim and then hits the back rim and comes out uh, all, all four three-point shots. I mean, so it's like he's 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 gonna break out of this pretty quickly. Um, he had a bunch of bunch of plays uh, that uh, I thought were were good good looks, good good uh, good decisions, and uh, the ball just didn't didn't work, uh, didn't go in, or the play didn't work out well for him. So I'm not worried about Steph, but we can we can help him on some things as well. Uh, but all in all, like I said, I thought Dallas was the aggressor. They, uh, they played with more force and pace than we did. You, you mentioned ways you can maybe help them is that schematically or rotation pattern. Like, what ways do you think you can maybe? Uh, I think uh, schematically we can do a couple things. I think uh, uh, I think you know just uh, looking at the way teams are playing him and looking at what's there. Um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be able to see some things that, that are available for him. Was there anything specifically that Dallas was... It's okay, people. Steph Curry can miss some shots, and he's still Steph Curry. All these people uh, expecting shit from Steph. It's uh, kind of crazy to me. I don't know. To be like, uh, well, fuck Steph Curry. He didn't hit 10 threes in the game, man. He just washed up and... Oh, uh, you can still suck a fat giant donkey dick. Dude, if Steph Curry went from averaging 10 threes every other game to averaging 8, that's totally fine with me. I'm still better than 90% of the people in the league. And I don't know, man. Curry is getting a little bit older. And I don't know if anyone's watched a Warriors game lately, maybe within the last three or four years. They're obviously trying to beat the shit out of Stephen Curry. This guy is fucking... Arms are bleeding and shit. He's got fucking man hand imprints on his shoulders and shit all the time. Uh, I don't know. Shit's kind of nuts to me. Fucking nuts. Uh, but you know what? Fuck it. There's help on the way. Uh, yeah, his name's Clay. Before we get to that, got some sound from... Uh, Gary Payton the second talking about how his contract was guaranteed and how he found out from Steve Kerr. Gary Payton the second has been a saving saver this season. Allow myself to introduce myself. Gary Payton the second talking about how he found out he got his contract guaranteed. You you obviously know the the guarantee date coming up for you. Have you been thinking about it at all in in the previous weeks? No, just um trying to get better every day um, and continue to help my team, you know, run off these wins and, and get better. But um, I kind of know the date, though. 
Steve, uh, basically pregame said, I mean, it's, it's being guaranteed. I mean, it's it's pretty obviously known at this point. Is th- was there a moment or a time that you felt safe, basically? <laughs> Negative. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not a moment or a time I felt safe. Um, um, I guess I, I don't know if I still do, but I guess Coach, Coach Kerr, you know, um, said what he said. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm just uh, thrilled and excited to be here and continue to help this team win. Did you see that comment? I no, I didn't, actually. Oh, okay. You're learning that right now. Yeah, that was, well, thanks for that, guys. <laughs> Great sound from Gary Payton. Seconds learning that he has been guaranteed a contract with the Warriors. Super amazing. Gary Payton second. Amazing. I was lucky enough to meet his dad on the fucking court. When I was sitting sideline. Super, super uh, humble family. I guess that's how you have to uh, live life when you're an athlete and you're not a superstar. You got to assume that every day you can and will be cut. Uh, I remember, uh, who was it? Jimmy Johnson. Talking about uh, someone falling asleep. Training camp. Uh, You got Troy Aikman, other people on the team. So... Supposedly, I forget it was a defensive or special teams player ended up falling asleep, uh, and they were cut. I forget it was like that day or the next day or maybe like right then and there. I think it was like, wake up, you're off the team. Thank you very much. And then someone asked <laughs> if it was a uh, Troy Aikman that fell asleep in your meeting, would you kick him out? And Jimmy Johnson was like, hell no. <laughs> That's because uh. Trey Aikman was pretty much the star of the team, and those people are allowed to uh, not really fuck up, but um, have rules that really don't apply to them. So, I believe Gary Payton the second. I believe he was cut like two or three times before he found his way on the Warriors team. So, humble like a bumble, and I love it. Uh, this guy's going to be great for the playoffs if the Warriors make it. If the Warriors make it. Got some Clay sound. Yes. Clay made his way back to the dubs. I was in LA hoping to catch a great Rams game. We'll get to that in a bit. But Clay Thompson back with the dubs. And it was like everyone had it imagined. Magnificent. 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 Clay Day. One nine twenty-two. Officially known as Clay Day. Never I don't know. I guess yeah, never in my sports life have I ever wanted to clone myself to be at two spots at once. I already had plans booked to LA. I had a feeling this would happen. Early in the season, when I went ahead and scheduled, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to all the away games this year. I had a feeling Clay Thompson's return would happen when I'd be on the road or during a Niner game. <sighs> I was hoping it would be later in the season, but knowing the warrior that Clay is, I had a feeling it'd be around Christmas time, maybe New Year's, hopefully mid February after the season. But no. 
Clay Day 1922. Here's some sound. Clay Thompson being introduced to the Warriors starting lineup. Some of you may know I have season tickets and you're asking, well, who went if you were in L.A.? My uh, mom and our good friend, Quindy, who is the family neighbor at my parents' house. Super cool guy. He loves the Warriors, Niners, Giants. So he's always uh, ready and willing to uh, hit up a game if need and be ready. And if he has a day off work, there have been a couple of times when he's like, nah, I can't make it. So I'm glad the homie, Quindy, my mom, were there to witness it. Here is the sound of Clay Thompson being introduced into the Warriors starting lineup in almost a thousand days. Yes, 100 plus a zero. Thousand days. And how cool the Warriors to add Clay Thompson to the end of the starting lineup so you get the extra standing ovation because, as you heard, Steve Kerr was the next announced. So, Clay, Clay Day. And uh, Clay didn't take too long to uh, show people uh, he's still in old form. Clay had a dunk and hit numerous threes. Here's some sound of Clay Thompson doing business. He's got Jared Allen on a switch. He went to reach. And Clay down the lane. I think he's helping. Yo. He's taking advantage of those bigs on him. Uh, yeah, he is. Torn Achilles. Torn ACL. It doesn't fucking matter. Even uh, Steph Curry. On his uh, social media, marked 1922 as Clay Day. Here's some sound from Curry's video, immortalizing Clay Thompson. It's rare these days to, you know, have somebody as pure as Clay, you know, feel every bit of what basketball brings to him. The game misses him. That first game back is going to be unreal. Clay is back, and I think the world is a better place to play. Clay, a hundred percent. We love Clay on the boat, but we love him a little bit more yeah. on the court. One of the biggest competitors I've ever been in my life. He loves the game. He loves the work. That's what makes him such a beautiful person. <laughs> I think the entire world is ready to see Clay Thompson back. Uh, yeah, it was a every bit as amazing as the intro pre video made it sound. Uh, Clay Thompson.
You can tell he's got a little rust on him. Not too much, though. But uh, just a little bit. Uh, Grizzlies, Warriors. Uh, of course, the Grizzlies looked a little bit faster. Well, Draymond wasn't on the court to defend either. But here's some sound uh, from Clay talking about if the Grizzlies remind him of a younger Warriors team. So Clay being back means we get this uh, awesome sound too. So here's Clay talking about the Jizzlies. Starting to emerge as real contenders. Um, just young and kind of on the rise. And yeah, they're a good team. I mean, their record reflects that, but I don't know, man. Our team's pretty unique, kind of, especially those early championship years kind of changed the way the game was played. But, yeah, they're a good team. I mean, top four in the West, possible playoff matchup down the road, and we do not take them lightly. You're had a chance to, go ahead. You've had a chance to watch them from the sideline, but just playing on the court with them, do you just sense the different energy and just attitude from them that they want to try to prove themselves against you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, every team wants to beat us, which when you – our top one or two team in the NBA, you're gonna you're gonna face everybody's best shot. So, uh, a resounding yes to that question. You are only gonna play one side of this back-to-back coming up. Do you have a preference? No, I don't. I just can't. Those are both really good teams, and I'm excited to play again. I'm just so excited to be back in the mix. You can tell <laughs> these questions are already starting to annoy Clay. People trying to compare the 20, 21, 22 Grizzlies to uh, the 2014-15 Warriors. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I don't know who would be equal to uh, Sean Livingston on their team. Or Andre Iguodala. Or Ho Spates. Or Leandro Barbosa. Uh, yeah, here's some sound. Uh, Kerr. Talking about the Warriors reaffirming their identity with Clay Thompson and the lineup. Some good sound. Here's some uh, Steve Kerr. Kind of alluded to it, but what was your itch to like relook at the clock when you could get him back in? Uh, yeah, play? yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew you know the pl- the plan was uh, was in in order. We knew what we were doing, so we were going to save him for the last five minutes and. Uh, so it'll, you know, that'll be uh, a process as he continues to wrap up his minutes uh, and we get Draymond back. Um, you know, you'll see the team start to form in terms of how we're going to close games and uh, not only uh, offensively but defensively. And uh, so I, I think in a, in a, in a strange way, um, you know, these next three, four weeks are going to be about uh, – kind of reestablishing our identity as a team. We did a great job um, these first 40 minutes, 40 games of, uh, you know, becoming a great defensive team. And a lot of guys have played um, important minutes and, and uh, established roles. But now that's going to be shaken up a little bit because Clay's going to uh, play a huge role. And we've learned a lot about some of our young guys. And so this next month or so, um, 
you know, we're going to shuffle the deck a little bit and, and uh, try some different combinations and try to get everything in order for the, the stretch run and the playoffs. Any, any word on Draymond, if it's possible he could join you in Milwaukee or Chicago? I think it's doubtful uh, right now that he would join us. Uh, he's doing well, but um, it, it seems, you know, with the back-to-back, um, it, it, it's, uh, it, it seems far-fetched to, to think that we'll just fly him out and play him. He's, he's not ready to, to do that, but, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes the next couple of days. So... 40 games halfway through the season, pretty much. I'll take the record at where they're at now. Her curve. You're going to have to shuffle things around with Clay coming back. That's okay. That is okay. Funny thing at the Memphis game, too. There were, um, there were some uh, Warrior fans <laughs> that were cheering for John Morant because he was, uh, had a, just a great shooting night. And, uh, John Morant kind of just stared them down. A cold-ass stare. There's a picture of it. You can find it online. It's all over social media. Um, John Morant had this to say um, about interacting uh, with those Dubs fans. Hello, funny. I love John Morant. He's a cool cat, actually. I didn't take this in any negative kind of way. Uh, He's just trying to get more people in the Grizzlies jersey, and I respect that. Um, so here's some sound from John Morant talking about staring down some young Warriors fans. After the last bucket, you got through the foul, and you go into the stands, and there's a little kid wearing yeah, a Warriors jersey. disrespectful with that jersey on. He, he, what, say that again? He was disrespectful with, <laughs> with that jersey on. You no mercy for the little kid. Nah. <laughs> we in Memphis. <laughs> it looked like he wanted to cheer, but he had that jersey on. <laughs> I apologize to him, but in that moment, bro, Take the jersey off and then dap me up. <laughs> do you expect nah, him no, back? And you want him back in a Grizzlies jersey next to my yeah, next for time? Sure. Yeah. Uh, somebody find you know his information. You know I sent him one myself. Holy shit! Hey John Morant, you sent me a uh, John Morant jersey. I'll be a fan too. Uh, that's hella funny though. This motherfucker did not hesitate to give the fucking Medusa cold ass stare to these five year old, eight year old kids as they were looking in amazement. You know what John Moran said? John Moran said, Fuck them kids. <laughs> Fuck them kids. <laughs> uh, and he said he'd love to see them back in a, a Grizzlies jersey. How can you not love and like that? <laughs> and they said they were disrespectful with the jersey on. <laughs> oh. Uh, yes. I want more of this. You know what? <laughs> This makes me more inclined to uh, fight a Memphis just to a Warrior game, sit up close next to the fucking Jizzlies bench, and wear a uh, Steph Curry jersey. And I'm even going to clap when he does well, so I can say, hey, bro, I need to get you a John Morant jersey. And I'd be like, yes, you do. Pronto. I wear that shit. I'm <laughs> still in cheer for the though, but I wear that free jersey. It's the half Jew in me. I gotta wear the free jersey, right? Free jersey. I'm there. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, this is gonna be a longer cast today, people, so deal deal with it. <laughs> a lot of funny shit going on. So Sacramento Kings, I love to wipe my nuts all over that town when I'm <laughs> when I'm over there for a warrior game. <laughs> but I gotta love the Kings 
and their social media peeps. They fucking on point. You know, I hate the Kings, but if the Dubs can't win and the Kings do, it's like, yeah, fuck it. The Kings have it. Their last championship, people, was in Rochester. And you're like, Rochester? That sounds familiar. Isn't that in New York? And you'd be fucking correct. It's Rochester, New York. They've never won in sack. They've always had people come in and rub their sacks on Sacramento. <laughs> but uh, Sacramento, dude, uh, they're, they're good. So Kings had <laughs> had a big thing up on, on, on the, I guess what do you call it, the jumbo board or the jumbotron or their scoreboard. <laughs> when they had, uh, they are playing as cold as ice. And then they had a big thing of saying worst shooting performance of the night. <laughs> and they had Russell Westbrook's picture of him and his Laker jersey and shit. And all this ice surrounded around him. <laughs> uh, it was blown up all over social media. People even thought it was fake. It was real as shit. Here is Russell Westbrook responding to reporters. Asking him about his horrible night. And if you did, didn't see that the Kings, Sacramento Kings... Had that shit on the scoreboard up in the song. But uh, his uh, Russell Westbrook's answer is so fucking Russell Westbrook. I love it. So here we go. Russell Westbrook talking about the Kings. Russ, you're, you're in a, a little bit of a shooting slump here over these last four games. But... Man, what are you telling me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you fucking shot, boy. Uh, the, the interrated DJ had fun with it. I, I guess sort of where are you at? I hope they've been playing that the last 14 years. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. You know what's even funnier? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's even funnier is uh, <laughs> Westbrook saying that the Kings have been sucking dick for 14 years. <laughs> or him even counting the years that they have been sucking dick. Or is that just how long he's been in the league? I don't know. I really have to look at that. I can't remember how long he's been in the league. <laughs> but him saying that that shit is funny is a hell of funny. Uh, Kings are the little brother of the NBA, dude. Don't uh, don't let them uh, catch you slipping, or else they will put that shit on the jumbotron and have you fucking clowning. Um, <laughs> uh, got some sound, Steph Curry. In Milwaukee, Bucks, Warriors, uh, playing tonight. Here's some sound from Steph Curry uh, talking about his shooting uh, slump. What's your frustration level right now with, with your percentages? Just lower than what I want, and that's going to have it from time to time. Um, I'm never results-based, so... The approach and what you do going into every game, uh, every stretch of the season remains the same. You know, eventually it'll turn around. You just can't lose confidence in, uh, in, you know, what you do. So, big picture. Is there ways you think, I mean, like, 
going to the mid range more, maybe, or like, are, is there ways you think? You got some sounds so simple. What makes it different? The bodies, the attention, you have to be able to obviously get a turn and take what the defense gives you. And, uh, they do at certain points sometimes you do get I get get into a little bit of a rush if you haven't found a good look in a while or maybe if you made two in a row you feel like you have to press a little bit that's that's on me the rest of it is just trying to keep it as, as simple as possible knowing we have a lot of options and threats and um, the more you can create good shots throughout the course of the game the more demoralized the defense gets and then their game plan kind of goes out the window we haven't really forced that to happen as much lately um, so everybody comes in with a strong game plan and then you turn the ball up we do what we did last night and they feel a lot more confident in what they're doing and they don't cause any doubt so we got to do that how about, you know the, the on ball off ball debate that always rages um, I mean would you like last night it seemed like you had a lot of success off ball attacking almost in isolation is, it, is there a need to maybe do that more or where you at on that it's always a bounce. Um, it was very refreshing that that was no conversation while I was playing well for so long. And now that I'm not, that comes back up. So it's like clockwork. I love it. Curry. So he's listening to the conversation. Him in a shooting slump. And no one wants to talk uh, about how great the percentage is when it's great. They only talk about when it's shitty. That is a true story. True fucking story. Um... Vote leader? Vote leader? All-star? NBA all-star vote leader? Can you take a guess who it is? Um, here's a video to help you figure that out. Dub the fucking vote, people. Stephen Curry, he is your current NBA All-Star vote leader. Even leading LeBron. So many have asked, why wasn't I at the Warrior game? Why wasn't I at the Warrior game? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it was because I uh, took a trip to LA to see what could possibly be. Jimmy Garoppolo's last game as a 49er. Week 18, first week 18 too. Um, but don't let me set the table for you. Here's uh, some sound from Good Morning Football before the game even took place on Sunday. Them talking about what the Niners need to do to beat the good Rams. Rams. NFC leading or top of the NFC. 
how are the Niners going to beat the Rams? Although they've done it the previous five times straight. How are they going to do it now? The Rams are so much better than the Niners. How are the Niners going to do it? Here's Peter Schrager talking about uh, the Niners and their chances uh, against the Rams and their lack thereof. No one's giving the Niners a chance. Rams are even favored by four. Here is Shrags. It's going to throw you one when he does catch it and run it for a touchdown. This is not a new thing. This has happened four times this year. Four times for a veteran quarterback. And I, I, I guess I have to do it every week, and I just keep kicking Matt Stafford in the shins. I don't take pleasure in it. But he keeps doing this, including when he played the 49ers. They picked him twice. Um, this is not a new thing. Four times this year. Just for sake of comparison, Aaron Rodgers has thrown three in 16 years, but we don't need to get in Rodgers. We talked about him last segment. He's thrown four this segment. He will do it, and then he makes the jokes after this game about, oh, man, I made it really uh, easy on them, which I appreciate, but I would appreciate it more if he didn't. He will throw you one. Don't drop it. Catch it and return it for a touchdown, and you win the game. It's simple. He, has, he does it almost every week. No matter who's on the field, no matter who's throwing the ball, the 49ers absolutely own the Rams. They've yes. won five straight games against division rivals. It's not like this has been some basement team. The Rams have won two divisions, and yet they lose every time to the 49ers. And yet they were given a bit of a gift from the from the from the health gods, if you will, and that all the defensive backs from the Niners are out this week. They can't practice. They're all out with COVID on the protocol. And that is like, hello. Like, so they're working on Zoom this week. Now they might all be activated okay. for Sunday and be great, but I don't care. If you don't practice all week and it's not just one of you. It's the entire defensive backfield. Stafford, you better have a day. Uh -huh. At the very least, these guys are going to be winded and they won't have the reps. So, Stafford, if you can't get a win over a defensive backfield that has been out with five defensive backs all week, I don't know if you're ever going to get a win over this team. That's what it comes down to. They have to win this one. Yeah, Stafford's got to play well. And to your point, if he's going to throw one, 49ers, he's going to throw them in the first three quarters because he hadn't thrown any interceptions in the fourth quarter. So, in the first three... You better get one okay. and try to take it the other way, a lot like Brett Favre used to do. But I believe there will be substantial pressure on the passing game of the 49ers. Mm. Jimmy Garoppolo does not have a huge arm. That's when he's healthy. He does not have a huge arm. All right? He's got small hands. And now, uh, recovering from an injury to the hand, I think Trey Lance is going to be the guy we're going to have to depend on. I don't see them throwing the ball with Garoppolo having significant pain after throwing. He doesn't have a big-time arm. So, to me, how do they get the 200 yards passing with the rookie? That's going to be hard to do. They're going to run the ball, run the ball. There's going to be eight guys in the box. So they're going to have to build, throw the ball down the field, and that concerns me take the pressure off Garoppolo or Trey Lance by running the ball. It's what they do really well. And then what you do when you do that is have time of possession. In Rams losses, they have the second worst time of possession. They don't hold the ball, Kyle. So to your point, what happens is, like the first game, the Niners had an 11-minute drive. They give it to Stafford, and he coughs it up, and he throws it because he has this pressure thing that happens. Right. We've seen it over and over through his career, not just with the Rams. You get him in the situation where he's like, i got to get something done. i got to make magic. And he can't make magic when that happens. So if they can get the run game going early, and they probably will because it's their bread and butter I think the Rams might be in trouble might be bitch I might be bitch I might be bitch I might be so uh yeah that was before everything next gen stats
day of the game. 49ers had a 0.4% chance of winning after punting with 157 remaining in the game. In order to come back and win, the Niners had to force a three and out, score a touchdown without any timeouts, prevent the Vans from scoring in regulation, and win an OT. And wait, you're like, well, how did this happen? Win an OT? Yes. Win an OT. People might have uh, witnessed the initial score of the game. Niners were up. I mean, down. Niners were down. <laughs> 17 to 0. I shit you not. 17 to 0. Not one, not two, not three. 17 <laughs> to 0. Yes, yours truly was there with his pops. And uh, I can tell you, I had my hands. Heavily draped around my face as my head was doused in my lap. Thinking, it was a great season. What do you expect? Niners can't win six games in a row against the Rams, can I? Can they? Can I? No, I can't. They can. But at that point in time, it's like, uh, you know, eh. It's a good ride. Good ride. It's like the Niners winning the first five Super Bowls and then going to the last two and losing them and thinking, oh, we should have won them. How how selfish, right? To think that you should win every Super Bowl you go to. It's possible you can lose. And you can lose more than once. <laughs> but could it happen? The Rams beat straight, six straight times. It was looking like no until it looked like yes. Um, here's some sound from uh, Greg Papa. Part of the comeback. Niners were able to drive down the field, kick off a field goal before time expired. So returning from half, it was 17-3. This play was huge, huge, as it helped the Niners in their comeback. Here's some sound. Greg Papa, Niners. Garoppolo with a gun, glyphs his right leg, takes the snap, hand off to Debo, off the right side, gets wide. 10, 5, down the sideline, diving for the end zone. Debo Samuel takes it in. Touchdown! San Francisco. They throw it. They don't throw it with Garoppolo. They throw it with Debo Samuel to Jawan Jennings on a 24-yard touchdown. Stafford in the gun now. Cooper Cup inside receiver left. Stafford time. Throws a deep shot down the field. And it is intercepted by Emmanuel Mosley. Gets back up and runs to midfield. Ram 45 still going. Emmanuel Mosley. 
three left, throw out left into a crowd, caught by Debo Samuel, Debo across the 40, 45, breaks a tackle, 40, finally dropped on the ramp, 37-yard line, no one can tackle, Debo! Third down now, Stafford back, pressured again, Fred Warner comes out of blitz, and they sack Matthew Stafford, Arden Key also there, Garoppolo steps up in the pocket, throws out right, it is caught by Debo Samuel, Debo 30, Debo 20, Debo inside the 20 on the 19-yard line. Get up on the ball. Debo in orbit motion to the left behind Jennings and Ayuk. Garoppolo back. Garoppolo time. Throws cut by Jawan Jennings. Touchdown! San Francisco! Jimmy back. Jimmy throws out right. Caught! Jawan Jennings down the sideline. Breaks a tackle. Jennings 40. Jennings 30. Jennings finally dropped on the ram. 25-yard line. Stafford back on first down. Throws a deep one down the right sideline for Odell Beckham Jr. Intercepted by Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas takes it away. The Rams only have one timeout remaining. The 49ers are going to win the game in L.A. And they have won the game. They are going to Dallas. Yes, you heard that right. We are going to Dallas. No, really. <laughs> I'm going to Dallas. I'll leave, uh, what, in like 12 hours, 4 a.m. I got to be at the airport. Flight's at 6. I have to go after a game like that, right? <clears throat> Here's some uh, sound from the commentators during the game. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, talking a game. Talking a game. Talking about the game in a whole about the 49ers here's some sound Troy Aikman Joe Buck we just witnessed a classic I mean you, you hate to throw that word around but when you consider what was on the line here Troy week 18 first time there's been a week 18 and the 49ers needing to get a win as far as they knew to get into the postseason as it turned out they needed it and they were down 17 to nothing in a blink and they come back and win this thing what have the 49ers shown you and does anybody want to face this team right now? Well, they've shown me a lot of resilience. I mean, the toughness that they have shown from when the season began. They got to 3-5, and five, they dug themselves this hole, and they had to come back, and they've been able to do that. And this game kind of embodied their entire season and how they were able to go about doing it. Jimmy Garoppolo was fantastic. It wasn't pretty all the time, but when he had to make the plays, he made them. I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best head coaches in all of football. I think he's terrific offensively. The things that they're able to do, this is a tough, resilient football team. And I said it early in this game, I don't think anybody really wants to play the 49ers because they play a brand of football that not many teams can match up against. And unfortunately for the Cowboys, they're the ones who are going to get the first crack at them. Should be a great matchup. Can't wait to watch it. Yep. In the end, the 49ers coming in knew they needed to get a win to get into the playoffs. It was a big hole, but they came back, won it in overtime, and on to the postseason tournament they go. Not going to lie. Like I said, uh, during that game, uh, you really weren't thinking about the playoffs. And I'm not going to lie. I was... <laughs> Being whooped up 17-0, I was checking the Saints, Falcons, not Saints, uh, fuck, who are the Saints playing? I don't even know. Saints and whoever. Oh, Falcons and Saints. <laughs> fucking Falcons, you have one fucking job, just win a fucking game. 
<laughs> you had to leave it to that uh, dramatic-ass fucking ending and victory. I guess it wouldn't happen any other way, right? But the fucking Falcons, super gutless. And fucking Saints won their game. And they were hoping we would lose so they could fucking inch their way into the playoffs. But fuck that, Niners, bitch. Fuck you, Saints. Fuck you, New Orleans. Trying to shoot yourself in with a loss. Fucking with the Niners. Eat a dick. That didn't happen. Eat a fat fucking donkey doo doo dee dee. So, Niners, baby. Um, some uh, quote from Debo. He says, I feel like the Rams pump noise because it wasn't that many Rams fans in here. Yes, it was like 2019. There was a swarm sea of red. Not many Rams fans at all. I don't know what happened. Um, Everyone was talking about it from the coach to the media, even Stafford's wife. Um, we're going to have some sound of this. Yes, yes, yes. Got some sound here from Kittle talking about the Niners being down 17-0. Uh, so earlier in the week, Kittle was talking about it's going to be a body bag game between both the teams. You know, Both teams are going to have people in body bags. But apparently when the Niners were down 17-0, there are Rams players chirping at Kittle that, oh, we're putting you guys in body bags. Here's some sound from Kittle setting the record straight after the win. Uh, actually, my favorite thing was, was I'll just give you guys this because it was fun. Apparently, I used a body bag quote that you know they, they used in their locker room this entire week. And I was saying it was for both sides of the ball. You know, Whoever it is, Rams or Niners, <clears throat> someone's leaving in a body bag. And we go down 17-0, to and I had five guys chirping me in the air that, hey, you guys are putting you in a body bag, kill. And I was like, a lot of time up on that clock, boys. And uh, hopefully uh, I can see them again because uh, that was a fun body bag game. I don't know how anyone can listen to that sound and not love Kittle either. That guy is a fucking monster. Um, supposedly his dad, super cool guy, writes him a letter every game. I shit you not. Uh, like a letter of encouragement and some other shit, private shit. He doesn't go into it too much. Um, but uh, yes, some reporters have asked him about it and he'll talk about it's a little bit. Got some sound here. <laughs> Good morning, football. So after those, uh, after those predictions of uh, Stafford throwing interceptions and the Rams winning, here's Good Morning Football talking about the Niners and of course Debo Samuel. I don't know if you all heard in Greg Papa's calls, but they're mostly Debo and Juan Jennings. Here we go. Good morning, football. Talking up a good Niner game. But we don't take losers here. If you're going to make this segment, you're playing in the playoffs. So let's start out with a man who carried his team to the playoffs in the biggest of moments. But my guy Debo Samuel, KU called him out yesterday. Debo was the truth in this game, and you got the full Debo experience. Look at him. Did next to nothing in the first half. They come I already out, saw this. 17-3, to 3, MJD was on the call. He's in that running back, okay? Watch what Debo Samuel does at running back here. This is like vision that maybe you had, MJD, as a running back. Three guys here. Okay, you're thinking go up the middle, right? No, he's that good running the ball with such good vision. He knows he can beat it to the outside. Gives a little edge here and pops in and then puts the ball over the line of scrimmage and over the goal line. Debo Samuel's footwork and eyes make him such a dangerous weapon out of the backfield. Look at this. I think he touches the ball in the left hand. He does. He knows. He's like smart. He's so smart. But here he is at running back again, right? So, okay. We've already known that this guy can do it from all over the field. He's going to kill you in the running game. Watch what he does here. 
and he does it. He holds the ball just long enough. That's Vaughn Miller, okay? Watch this play here. Jawan Jennings is going to sneak open. He's going to make a pass. <laughs> look at the pass from Debo. But look at Vaughn. This is one of the best pass rushers of his generation. He's. This is not a quarterback. Vaughn Miller breathing down his neck. He jumps and throws the ball as Vaughn Miller is tackling him. That is not easy. Throws a perfect pass to Jennings. They're right back in this game. Debo, all right. So what can he do? Already. Look at this. Boom. All right, so Debo, what can else he do? How about he could potentially be one of the best wide receivers in the sport and from the wide receiver position? Look how tough he is. Look how good he is. He's down here. And watch Jimmy. He's looking. He's just going to throw him a little pitch. Jalen Ramsey, right? One of the best cover corners. Now, yeah, there's a block from our guy, check. But watch Debo's concentration. These guys are going to be blocking for him. Debo catches it, and it's never just a catch with Debo Samuel. It's then the yak. It's the yards effort. you got to rip him down. you got to tear down his uh, undershirt. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's an extra 25 yards. A lot of guys make that play and then go down. Debo catches it and then walks. All right, last one from Debo Samuel. The biggest play of the game. They're coming back 24 to 17. Less than a minute remaining. They're all the way back on their own 35. Debo, okay? He sees here his wrap. Here's Ramsey. What am I going to do? Debo says, I'm going to slide right in between. Everyone's looking at Kittle as the easy option. Debo then turns Ramsey round. Oof. And then he's got the perfect pass from Jimmy. Jimmy just nails it, hits him, and then from there, one man misses, another man misses. He turns that dude around. This is going to be a problem for the Cowboys. I'll just say that. They've got Trayvon Diggs. They've got some guys back there. But how do you prepare for someone that can play running back, that can play quarterback, that can play wide receiver, and never just goes down when you get in the ball? Debo Samuel was a beast all season. I expect that to continue in the playoffs. Ho, ho, ho. So do I. I bet you Dallas will have something for Debo's ass, though. Just a, just a feeling, though. Just a feeling. Um, got some sound here from someone that was mic'd up during the Ram-Niner game. None other than Juice. Juice check. Homie was mic'd up for sound. We have that for you. <laughs> it's, uh, it's about five minutes here, so you're going to have to uh, deal with it. Here we go. The Juice Niners mic'd up. Rams. Whoop that ass. Six no ho. Here we go. Sound from Juice. Let's lead this team. Y'all know what it is. Let's go. RBs on three. One, two, three. All right, let's go, baby. Seven day. Spear Bros, baby. Let's go. We say five. Let's go, baby. Ready to go. You know what time it is. Let's do it again, baby. Give me two up top, please. Let's go. Ooh, that felt good. Here we go. Spear Bros, baby. Let's go. Seven day. Young Ambry. Hey, one play at a time. Focus and refocus. Let's go. Hey, did I ever tell you about uh, the chances of winning if you win the coin toss? About a 85 to 90% chance this season. That could be totally wrong. That was a stat at like week six, but uh, I'm going to throw it out there. <laughs> Ain't got time to hold anything back. You know what I'm saying? Let's get this boy going. 
Let's go, baby. We got another week. Yep. Oh, baby. We got another week, baby. Hell yeah. <laughs> As Juice like to say, hell yeah. We're going to the playoffs. Who would have thought? If you would have listened to the cast, I uh I did not see this coming. Three and five. Eating fat donkey D from the fucking Cardinals at home with Colt McCoy at quarterback. <laughs> And then taking Fat Shaft from the Indianapolis Colts and Carson fucking Limp Dick Wentz. I'm not going to lie. I, I uh, you, uh, you kind of leave yourself asking, where is this season going? <laughs> 75 years. This shit doesn't fucking matter. But a uh, pretty big win. So much so, you had some sound from none other than Callan Cowherd talking about the boys. So I thought I'd play this sound, let people get some uh, insight on how the Cowboys probably are going to be this postseason. Callan Cowherd talking about football playoffs. Cowboys, here we go. Listen, uh, Dallas is six and zero against the NFC East, and six and five against everybody else. And we know the NFC East is the worst division in football, and it's not really close. But why is Dallas so amazing against the NFC East and so average against everybody else? And I have my belief is that Dallas has a hyper athletic, aggressive front and a very athletic top corner they're very risk-taking they micah parsons kind of plays wherever trayvon diggs is a pressing in your face go for the pick interception in the division with daniel jones jalen hurts who doesn't throw the ball deep you're not going to get burned and taylor heineke you don't get burned with that kind of defense and if you look at who the Cowboys have beaten, it's really guys that don't throw the ball down the field. One exception, Justin Herbert. That's their only win over a throw-it-down-the-field quarterback. They faced Brady, lost. Derek Carr, lost. Patrick Mahomes, lost. Their losses are to guys that'll sling it. Murray, Derek Carr, Mahomes, uh, Tom Brady. And by the way, Teddy Bridgewater, for the first time in his career, threw the ball down the field this year. Um, they're big, But their win is mostly guys... Matt Ryan doesn't have a big arm. Taysom Hill's a gadget guy. Heineke doesn't have a big arm. Either's Gardner. Either's Kirk. Either's Mac doesn't throw the ball down the field because they don't have the weapons. Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts. Herbert's the one guy. It's a big play. Throw it down the field. I'm going to burn your guys. And, and my theory is this. If you go into a fight, you and I are UFC fighters or boxers. You are a big puncher. I'm not. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a big puncher. You've got it. You're going to be more aggressive against me. When I know I can't get burned as a boxer or a UFC fighter, I'm going to swing for the fences 
because you're not going to knock me out. You may win uh, technicality. You you may win on points. But when you fight, find two fighters fighting, the bigger puncher tends to be more aggressive knowing it's not as punitive if he leaves himself open. You're not going to knock me out. And so the Cowboys have this big knockout punch, and they're super athletic, and they're hyper-risk-taking. And against the <clears throat> quarterbacks, they may get a first down, but they're not going to burn them with that. It just feeds into their Tyson quality. They just play heavy. That's why they've got so many interceptions and so many takeaways is they play this aggressive style of defense. It does. It gets burned by Brady. It gets burned by Kyler Murray. It gets burned by Patrick Mahomes. It, can, it got burned a few times by Justin Herbert. It doesn't get burned with Taylor Heineke and Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones. So there's a reason in a division with bad quarterback play and guys that just don't burn you down the field, you swing for the fences. And their hyper-athletic defense just goes for it in these games. And again, this weekend, it's Gardner Minshew. Well, he's not going to beat you down the field. So that's my takeaway. It, Dallas was one and four this year against elite quarterbacks. That's what they that's what they were, and that's by the way, that's all the playoffs are. Stafford. It's and it's also quarterbacks that can sling it. Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, um, Kyler Murray. That's who you're gonna see in the playoffs. Uh, and another thing, Dallas scored let me see this stat here. I I saw this this morning. And where was this? Dallas scored 40 or more points five times this year. Four of them were against the NFC East. So these offensive, wild offensive games, take a deep breath. But I do think their their kind of defensive culture now with Dad and Quinn and their personnel is why you see it. So here, I'm going I'm to look at the playoffs right now. Let's put up the playoff games this weekend. Two things jump out to me. So here's the playoff matchup Saturday. It's going to be Las Vegas at Cincinnati. And New England at Buffalo, that is Saturday. So I just want you to notice this. Raiders had an offensive coach. That's their culture against the Bengals who have an offensive coach. The second game is defensive coach Patriots at defensive coach McDermott. Sunday, Eagles Bucks, two offensive coaches. Niners Cowboys, two offensive coaches. Cardinal uh, uh, Steelers Chiefs, one offensive coach, one defensive coach. And Cardinals Rams, two offensive coaches. So nine of the 12 playoff games this weekend, offensive coaches. That's why Vic Fangio, that may be why Brian Flores, although I wouldn't have fired him, Mike Zimmer, uh, There's this is what's happening around the league, is that every single NFC playoff team has an offensive coach, and there's only one division now that has all, NF, uh, all defensive coaches, that's the AFC East, and the two teams that finished at the top have the two best offensive coordinators. Buffalo, Brian Dable, New England, Josh McDaniel. So I'm a broken record talking about this ad nauseum. But what you're seeing now is this is the future of the league. That is why when Brandon Staley can't make the playoffs with Justin Herbert, some criticism is due. you got to make the playoffs with Justin Herbert playing 17 games. you got to make the playoffs. He's just too good. So my takeaway as I look at those games, my, my initial feeling about all these playoff games, Las Vegas at Cincinnati. I would take Cincinnati, but I think it's going to be really, really close. It is a, I think Cincinnati has one of the weaker rosters in the playoffs. I think Las Vegas 
has been in so many close, 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 close wins. They're clearly capable of winning on the road. But I think over time, you can't just keep winning all these close games. I'm going to take Cincinnati narrowly over the Raiders. Uh, New England and Buffalo. Listen, Buffalo makes a lot of mistakes, but New England is getting worse offensively. The book is out. They can't throw downfield. I'll take Tampa at home against Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts may not be 100%. I'm going to take San Francisco at Dallas. They played better against better teams. Kansas City, I think, beats Pittsburgh. The Steelers' offense is just... I have no idea why they're asking Ben to throw it 44 times a game. I, and for all the receiver talent, they don't throw the ball down the field enough. And the Rams at home will beat Arizona. Right now, the Cardinals are not playing well. So that is my my opening feeling. As far as the lines, I think the Raiders-Cincinnati's are very intriguing matchup. That one I could go either way because the Raiders have shown we can win on the road. We're good against good teams. Uh, you know, uh, and Derek Carr, there's a magic going on right now. They're getting healthier. They're running the ball. They can play keep away from Joe Burrow. That one I got to let bake for a couple days. Great sound from Colin Cowherd. So we'll see how the Niners fare against the Cowboys this weekend. They do have the in-between game. So I believe it's 1 o'clock around this time and then 3.25 Dallas time. Who does Colin Cowherd believe might be one of the dangerous teams in the playoffs? Hmm. Here's some sound about that. If I just gave you four parameters and I said, there's a football team out there that has four things. Really, really clever offensive coach in 2021-22. A quarterback who's won playoff games and is a veteran. Super physical team, both sides of the ball. And they've got some really, really good weapons. That's a playoff team. That's the Niners. The Pittsburgh Steelers don't feel like a playoff team. Nothing against Ben, but they don't. Uh, the Saints almost got in. They don't feel like a playoff team. I mean, they've had four quarterbacks. Um, the Niners yesterday, they matched up with Green Bay. They had Green Bay beat. They swept the Rams. They beat the Bengals. They beat Philadelphia. They beat multiple playoff teams. And they really got all the boxes checked. And I'll say this about Jimmy Garoppolo. I know he drives you all nuts and none of you like him. But I've said it a thousand times and I'll say it again. He's the opposite of Kirk Cousins. He's better in primetime games. He's better with two minutes left. He's better with no timeouts. I don't know if it's just because he doesn't overthink it. He lets it rip. But that that 88 yards, five plays, was so Jimmy Garoppolo. And you've all hated on him for years, and I always go back to it. This sport is about big moments. That's, the, that's who's got Super Bowl rings. Jimmy in big moments, and I know you all point to the Super Bowl, they led Mahomes for three quarters. They led the best offense on the planet for three quarters. It's not just missing on that deep throw. Brady's had pick sixes in Super Bowls. It's not perfect. Mahomes was bad for the first three quarters of that Super Bowl. But this is what a playoff team looks like. They look like San Francisco. Physical travels. I think they'll beat Dallas. I think physical teams travel. You can play at home and on the road. Pretty teams are good at home. Green Bay's good at home. Would Green Bay historically be as good on the road? If you look at their playoff record, they're not. They're pretty. And San Francisco's not. They, that's why Tennessee is a nightmare to play. 
I think if you get Kansas City, uh, Kansas City can do both. They, they can play physical or not physical. But you look at these teams like Tennessee, uh, Philadelphia is going to be an interesting team in the playoffs, although I think they're limited in their passing game. And San Francisco, this is what playoff teams look like. Good coaches, physical teams, can do multiple, multiple things well. They've got weapons, and they have a quarterback who's had a, a Tannehill or a Garoppolo. They've won playoff games. That matters, by the way. It matters. They've won playoff games. Said it before, I'll say it again. Tannehill and Garoppolo are pretty much the same person. But we'll see how it turns out on Sunday. What can I say, though? That Rams game was super fun. Um, super fun. <laughs> Got some sound from other people talking up the game. Uh, Niners. Also, <laughs> Big Slime. Uh, Debo Samuel was congratulated by Nickelodeon for his awesome performance against the Rams. Here's some sound <laughs> from that. Nickelodeon presenting their award to him with the help of Jimmy G. After a hell of a performance last week, we got Debo here with the MVP. Congrats, bro. Appreciate it, bro. Let's see what we got in here. Got a little slime? Mm, got some slime here, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Woo, let's go! Wow! <laughs> got a little trophy? There we go. Wow, this is Congrats, amazing. Bro. Appreciate it. <laughs> Real MVP. All right, need a towel. I need a towel! Yeah! <laughs> Super awesome. Debo got slammed by Jimmy G. And not that kind of slime, you dirty bastards. Nickelodeon slime. Um, got some sound from uh, some local reporters here talking with ESPN about Garoppolo's future. This could be his last game Sunday in Dallas. And for that fact... I'm flying all Jimmy G jerseys. Got the authentic Jimmy G for the for the game. Got the premier one to rub my nuts all over uh, Dallas, and then I got flying down in the away white Jimmy G. <laughs> this could be the last time I uh, wear the Jimmy G's, and they're actually relevant. So uh, here's some uh, discussion about Jimmy G and his future as a 49er. 49ers reporter Nick Wagner asked that question to Jimmy G earlier today and joins us now. Nick, uh, so what does Garoppolo's future in San Francisco look like, especially coming off that performance in the second half against the Rams to beat them in overtime? Yeah, Kevin, before that game against the Rams, Garoppolo and fullback Kyle Juszczyk shared a moment in which they both acknowledged that it could have been Garoppolo's last regular season game together. And that speaks to a heightened sense of awareness among Garoppolo and the Niners that any game could be his last game with the team. The expectation has been and remains that the Niners will hand the keys to Trey Lance in the offseason with Garoppolo potentially being traded with one year left on his deal. Garoppolo, for his part, says that he's just trying to savor what he has left with the team. He said Wednesday, I love this team. I love the players, everything about it. And we're just trying to keep this thing going for as long as we can. But as one source put it to me on Wednesday, a deep 49ers playoff run led by Garoppolo would be a win-win. It would not only bolster his trade value for the 49ers, but it would increase his earning power on his next contract. Okay, we will see how this... Honestly, I hope uh, Jimmy G wins. 
I don't give a fuck how much he gets paid in the future. I wonder if he does either. I don't know. Jimmy fucking G. We will see. Uh, Greg Cosell talking about uh, Niners passing game. How it's gotten better and evolved since the days of Jerry Rice. Here's uh, Greg Cosell on the Tobert and Kruger show on uh, KMBR 680. You're going to get a lot of situations, and the Niners are very good at this, by the way, to hit receivers on the move. And if you hit receivers on the move, run after catch is really a function of the quarterback much more than the receiver. You know, you go back to the Bill Walsh days and, you know, hitting Jerry Rice and John Taylor, you know, hitting them in stride on short passes, and they just go. And all they needed was a step. So you could have coverage that you wouldn't view as bad coverage, but you hit a guy right on uh, in stride. Shoot, I remember after he retired doing, it's the first time I met Coach Walsh, and uh, I did a piece for NFL Films with him, and actually Montana came down, Rice came down, Roger Craig, it was very cool for me, and... Um, you know, he, all he talked about was where the ball placement had to be on routes like that where the receiver's moving. And that even even when Montana was retired and we were doing this, he'd make Joe do it again if the ball wasn't placed exactly right. <laughs> Run after catch tends to be, particularly against man coverage, a function of the quarterback, not the receiver. We know Debo is phenomenal run after catch, and actually Ayuk is very, very good as well. Um, and that becomes a function of, of ball placement by Garoppolo. And when he's on, on those inbreakers, I mean, he puts the ball right on their hands. Great sound from a great Cassell breaking down film of the Niners' pass game. I remember doing the same thing uh, in the Super Bowl. So, got some sound here from the Niners. Uh, them punching their tickets to the playoffs. Some sound from Niners staff. It's pretty cool. I thought I'd play it. It's uh, awesome. 17-0, Bucky Hoes. The situation with the 49ers is very simple. They need to win. You know you have to win this game to get in, and you're going against a team that you are very familiar with beating, but we just don't know who the quarterback is going to be. Huge football game. It really is. They get in. Like, I'm not going to be shocked if we're sitting here championship Sunday and the 49ers are in the, in the championship game. They have that type of talent. And it is amazing. It's five straight games. The 49ers have beaten the Rams. All the more reason. Yes. Knock them out while you can. Right. You'd rather play any other team from any other division than a team from your division. A hundred percent. And they did knock us out. <laughs> so uh, apparently everyone heard about the sound in the stadium. Apparently McVeigh was complaining about it. And I, I didn't know Stafford's w- wife had a podcast. But uh, her name is Kelly Stafford. And uh, she has her own podcast. Or maybe she was on a show. I don't know. I think she has her own podcast. But here she is talking about the noise in L.A. during her Niners-Rams game. The shit's amazing. Niner fans show out and show up. They always do. Here's some sound from the Stafford family. I'm not going to lie. I've never seen so many 
of the opposing team's fans at a game. And we came from Detroit, and there are a lot of good traveling teams there, but that was wild. Like, Matthew was on a silent count. And for those of you who don't know what that is, like, he can't call. It's like a... Like, when he hikes the ball, it's either a loud count where you can hear him, and that's what usually quarterbacks are on when they're at home, or a silent count. Matthew is on a silent count. Jimmy Garoppolo was not, who's the opposing quarterback. It was crazy. I mean, I, again, I've never seen anything like that, but um, it, made it, it made it very hard for us because I guess, you know, we weren't expecting to be on silent count. I'm not going to... I'm not going to lie, but... She's a dummy. <laughs> uh, what a dumb bitch. <laughs> Any, uh, anyone who's uh, been to a Ram game in the last uh, three or four years knows that when the Niners travel to L.A., they travel in large amounts. 2019, it was a Sea of Red 2. And uh, fans were complaining. Ram fans. Too many Niner fans. Why is so many? How'd they get so many tickets? Stafford was not on the team then. It was weak-ass Jared Goff. doesn't matter who their quarterback is. Shit's hilarious, though. Just hearing her, I'm like, just whining. The reason we ate Big Donkey Dick on Sunday was because it was so loud. Our team would have been so much better if it wasn't so loud. (laughs) Oh, God. Wouldn't have fucking mattered. Maybe it might have. I don't know. 17 and 0, ho. No mo. <laughs> Apparently, the Niners Cowboys game will be featured on the fucking what, ESPN or Nickelodeon channel, whatever they have, where it's hella fun when they show all these players getting slimed and shit. Here's the promo Niners Cowboys this Sunday. Nickelodeon. Here we go. Sunday on Nick. It's NFL playoff time. Sunday on Nick, Niners, Cowboys, and a bunch of slime. Pretty awesome promo. Oh man. Uh, yeah, Father Pops. Happy birthday, Pops! Just turned uh, seventy yesterday, the twelfth. So uh, we're actually hitting up the game in Dallas together. Last time the Niners played the Dallas Cowboys in a playoff game. Not regular season. That happened recently. We're not talking about that. Playoff game <laughs> was 94-95 season. What, 25 years ago? Quarter century ago. When the Niners punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that's going to happen this time, people. I'm just saying... There's a chance. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Bob Saget. All Bay All Day podcast alumni favorite here. Full House. Anyone in the 80s who didn't watch Full House, I don't know what you were doing, but you probably didn't own a TV. <laughs> uh, that's fucked up. I shouldn't really say that. But uh, yeah, how do you not uh, grow up an 80s baby and not know who Bob Saget is? America's uh, America's funniest home videos, too, and his corny ass jokes. Bob Saget, though, 
R.I.P. man. Fool just passed away in his sleep. Cracking jokes up there with Betty White and fucking John Madden. Shit seems uh, very uh, subtle and soon. But yeah, fuck it. Um, baseball's still on strike. So we'll see. Niners, Cowboys. Like I said, I'm leaving in like 11 hours. We'll see. Flight's being delayed and everything, so I might not get there when I'm supposed to. But we'll see. Hopefully. Aye, aye, aye. Dubs. Clay. Back. Niners. Playoffs. It's pretty much uh, all we talked about today. <laughs> Thanks, uh, everyone. Long cast. I don't know when I'll be back. Maybe after the Niners-Dallas game. No predictions here. Niners 24-17. <laughs> no, really. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, should be great, though. Just happy to be along for the ride. And who would have thought, right? Who would have thought, people? Who would have thought? Until then, everybody, mask up, sanitize up. Get the fucking vaccine, you douchebag. Stop passing around this Omicron shit. (laughs) Mask up. Until then, everybody, you know what to do. Listen to this long-ass podcast. And do the safety dance. Safety dance. Safety dance. Safety dance. Fuck them cowboys. <laughs> we shall see, baby. Till next time, everybody. Safety dance. <sighs> safety dance. Who will safety dance? Yes, safety dance. Who will safety dance? Who will safety dance? Who will safety dance? Who will safety dance? Yeah.